2: From KQD in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Flip over a plate at Chez Panisse or many other legendary restaurants, and there's a pretty good chance that you'll see the simple trademark of Heath, a company that's been making ceramics here in Sausalito for almost 75 years edith heath the company's co-founder and creative engine is the subject of a new exhibition at the oakland museum of california detailing her relationship to the elements of her products we'll talk about how Heath's new stylings of our regional clay helped define bay area ceramics in the mid-century and beyond then it's our regular chat with kqed food editor luke sai we'll be talking about the bay area's new style of vegan food that's all next Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Two things you learn at the Oakland Museum of California's new exhibition on Edith Heath. One, she had a poetic sense for her materials. The best way to describe clay is that clay is the grandchild of granite, Heath said. As granite decomposes, the first thing that's washed out are the salts. The next thing that is separated out is the sand. So when you're potting, when you put sand back into clay, you're recycling What Nature Took Apart. just beautiful. And the second thing you learn is that Heath was a pack rat who saved absolutely everything from her career, even down to the scientific tests she produced on clay types in the 1950s, which gives a lot of texture to the descriptions of her process at the museum show. Today, we're joined by two experts on Heath and clay, but before I introduce them, I want to note for full disclosure that I've heard quite a bit of Heath lore in my day because my wife works for the company, though never with Edith Heath, who died in 2005. In any case, joining us to tell the uniquely Northern California story that inspired the ceramics of Edith Heath, as well as DeBay's larger history with the clay arts, we're joined by Drew Johnson, curator of photography and visual culture at the Oakland Museum of California, one of the curators of the show. Welcome, Drew. Good morning. Good morning. And Nancy Service, uh, independent curator, university educator, scholar, and author of a forthcoming book on the history of clay use in Northern California. Thanks so much for joining us, Nancy.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: Sir so Drew, tell me, who is Edith Heath? <laughs>
4: uh, Edith Heath has a fascinating backstory and career, um, which is one of the things um, We tried for this exhibition to be uh, more than a typical decorative arts exhibition where there's just cases of beautiful objects. Uh, There are certainly cases of beautiful objects in the (laughs) exhibition, Uh, but we really wanted to, to accomplish some other things. We're Oakland Museum of California is an interdisciplinary museum. It's all about California, but it has very large galleries devoted to the art of California, the history of California and the natural environment of California. So all our exhibitions, including our art exhibitions, um, have, uh, are just loaded with context and try to get to, you know, more than just an appreciation of, of the beautiful objects. Um, so you're going to, for instance, um, we take a, a deep, fairly deep dive into ceramic chemistry, which is something that Edith was very much a part of her practice, uh, long investigations into the science and chemistry of ceramics. She described herself as an alchemist, which I think mm-hmm. is a really apt, description of the way she approached uh, you know very very rigorous experimentation Um, we also you know look at um her process uh both uh in 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 um especially when she established heath ceramics uh in for the commercial production of ceramics which was something that Actually, got her into sort of hot water with the traditional fine art ceramics community in in California, who, who figured that she had sold out um, uh, a real unique approach to to um, commercial production of ceramics, of, or, or anything for that matter. You know, she was she did, she did this this really a human scaled factory uh, where she could balance commercial production with the highest ideals of craft and design. Um, It's a very much it's a quintessentially Californian story in that, you know, using only locally sourced clays that had been just before been used to make things like sewer pipes and bricks, Hmm. uh, but adapting that for housewares, uh, always exploring um, into areas like tile production and so on. And then also we, we really made an effort to sort of convey something about her personality and background and personal history. Um, she the the quote you you quoted her at the beginning of uh, your introduction, and that 's from this marvelous series of oral history interviews she did at UC Berkeley, which really not only does it you know tell the, the story of her her process and personal history but um, gives uh, a sense of her voice and her personality so we, which we really wanted to come through. <coughs>
2: So, Nancy, you know, you are an expert in really the ceramics and clays of, of Northern California generally. What do you think Heath, the sort of product and the company, what do you think that sort of came to mean both within the world of ceramics and just sort of uh, generally in this area?
3: Edith Heath is a very important uh, figure in the history of, of Northern California ceramics, which is my focus. And she came to California in the 40s as many people did come to California from different parts of the country and also different parts of the world. And Edith Heath's story is a great uh, story, a a California story. She's someone who who really got her grounding in ceramics here in in San Francisco. And as I recall, actually started working in her basement kitchen and using her own oven to fire. (laughs) So she's a really um, a self-made woman in that respect. Uh, she she is one of I would say a handful of women who who were here in Northern California who um, transformed quietly transformed the uh, nature of clay use. And the great thing about the use of clay in California is there are very um, there are several different. Avenues and Heath chose a uh, production pottery avenue, which is certainly a valid one. And what I like to uh, think about with Edith Heath is she capitalized on a difficult time. You know, the forties was you know during World War II, and there was such limited supply of everything. Mm-hmm. And she designed um, uh, a technique of firing, which only needed to fire once. Usually, ceramic pieces are fired twice but she created a whole chemistry of material that enabled that she's part of a great lineage. And that's the, that is the magic of California, uh, California throughout its um, history um, is known as a place where people have come to even in the, in, in the 18th century. So uh, there's a very long story here. And, and for our purposes, I think Heath was a, was a very important, um, milestone artist. The other thing I like about Edith Heath is she was also a ambassador to clay history and in the 50s when she was teaching at California College of the Arts uh, known as California College of Arts and Crafts then she created a whole symposium uh, on, on clay use and art and all that which was a precursor to some of the really transformative symposia that happened in the region during
2: the 50s. We're talking about the uniquely Northern California story that inspired the ceramics of Edith Heath, as well as the Bay's larger ceramics history with Drew Johnson, curator of photography and visual culture at the Oakland Museum of California, which has a new show up on Edith Heath, and Nancy Service, a curator and scholar and author of a forthcoming book on the history of clay use in Northern California. One of the remarkable things about Heath is that their factory continues to, uh, to run in uh, Sausalito there and some of the actual items uh, continue to be produced, you know, and have been in continuous production for decades. And it uh, inspired a question from the exhibition and one that we want to ask you, which is what things in your life have endured over time. And I mean like things. Like objects. What qualities have made them endure. You can give us a call now. At 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or you can get in touch. On Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Or you can email your questions. And comments of course. To forum at kqed.org. You know Nancy Service, I, I wanted you to talk a little bit about what makes Northern California clay special, like on a on an actual sort of geological basis, I suppose.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I love the quote that you started with uh, of Edith saying that clay is the grandchild of granite because that is so accurate. California has a lot of clay, first of all, and I think part of that's part of the reason why there are so many artists and makers who embrace that medium. But Because of the the geological history of California, the Great Central Valley where I live in Sacramento has major clay deposits. uh, And that is largely because over millions of years, uh, organic material, um, worn down granite was, was being washed down the Sierra Nevada mountains and pooled basically in the Central Valley. So the town of Lincoln, for example, where the uh, Gladding and McBean business mm-hmm. is now located. Um, really, there's still incredible caches of clay there and it's very good clay from what I understand even though they are known for making their, their pipes, their sewer pipes. They also did a lot of um, architectural terracotta when they were first started. And that discovery of all that great clay deposits on an industrial scale, was 1874, right in there by two industrialists from Chicago, Glading and McBean. And they were driving through the area and there was a road or not driving a car, obviously, but they <laughs> driving came,
2: some horses, perhaps. Okay, through the right, area. <laughs> right,
3: right, right. Uh, riding, I guess, is another way. But they were going through the um, areas of, of uh, Lincoln and there was a road cut and they discovered all this clay and this discovery was so important because that's when the cities of of Northern California, San Francisco, Sacramento, Oakland, that's when populations were really coming to the West Coast, populating our area and they put two and two together and like well they're going to need infrastructure so hence the establishment of Gladding McBean and some other uh, businesses in the area that created sewer pipe but uh, so there is a lot of clay here in California and also the climate is really important as well uh, clay drives uh, faster here in our region mm-hmm. and that enabled that enabled so many different options regarding the use of clay and I think what's what I have found quite fascinating over the course of time regarding my research is that clay is one of the most adaptable and versatile artistic mediums. You can make pottery. And of course, pottery is made of different types of clay. Not every pot is the same. You can make sculpture. You can do architectural terracotta, which in Oakland particularly, you'll find a lot of that. And then during the art deco period, there's these beautiful tile buildings. And it goes on and on, there's installation. So clay has this versatility that just um, is explored in my book. And I also think that its versatility can be linked to the many different um, cultures that are here in in our state
2: we're talking about northern california's clay and ceramics with drew johnson curator of photography and visual culture at the oakland museum of california as well as nancy service who you just heard who is the author of a forthcoming book on the history of clay use in northern california and we'd love to hear from you what are your questions about california's ceramics history you can give us a call 866-733-6786 i'm alexis madrigal stay tuned for more forum after the break Welcome back to Forum. We're talking about the clays and ceramics of Edith Heath, subject of a new exhibition at the Oakland Museum of California, as well as the Bay's larger ceramics history with Nancy Service, curator, university educator, scholar, and author of a forthcoming book on the history of clay use in our part of the state, as well as Drew Johnson, one of the curators of the show at the Oakland Museum of California, and he's curator of photography and visual culture. John writes... Museums and fans must remember Heath was sold to the public for 50 years through a relatively small band of brave merchants of modernism and good design who brought their wares through reps. During that time, Heath Ceramics was represented by the NS Gustin Company and particularly through the efforts of Jay and Yvonne Gustin, reached a national audience that Heath by itself could not have in that time. The symbiosis of Guston's curated selections, creative displays, and their charming personalities gave any reluctant merchant the courage to try Heath. John clearly knows a thing or two about this history. And we're curious, what, what are your questions about California's ceramics history, this rich set of creators and uh, and products and pieces of art that we've been talking about here? Were there he Ceramics pieces in your home as you were growing up, or did you purchase some 50 years ago? Give us a call. Tell us about them. Uh, the number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, KQED Forum. And, of course, the email is forum at org. You know, Drew, Michael in Sonoma asked a basic question here. That's a very good one. What's her stuff look like? We understand she was special, but why? <laughs> um yeah
4: um the the, you know we start the exhibition the first thing people see when they walk in uh aside from a giant blow up of a picture of heath throwing a pot edith we got into the habit of referring to her as edith all of us who worked on the exhibition well the personal connection but the first thing they see is a case with four pieces of ceramics two of them are classic heath uh, coupe dinnerware pieces a vegetable bowl and a cup and saucer and the other two are her pieces of her mother's Haviland, China, from when they where Edith grew up on the farm in, in Iowa. Um, the Haviland is um, white, delicate, um, ornate, almost Victorian, and as she said, never used. The other one, uh, the heath is very robust, uh, uh, sturdy stoneware in earthy color palette, uh, speckled uh, because of the minerals from the California clays from which it was made. Um, and then a, a statement from Heath saying, I'm just not going to use this white clay, uh, I'm going to rebel against that. That's only one of the ways that we, we make the point of Edith rebelling against what had become sort of um, what most people thought of for um, household ceramics. Um, so, uh, you know, she, she, as far as the appearance and what made her special, you know, she's very much a... Um, mid-century modern design in terms of something that was simple and functional. She had a real interesting background. Um, I mentioned growing up on an, on an Iowa farm. Um, and then as a young woman moved to Chicago, did some settlement house work, worked on the Federal Arts Project, and actually uh, studied with Moholy-Nagy at the New Bauhaus in Chicago. Um, and those principles of, you know, production for use and simple functionality um, and designing for uh, a casual, informal California lifestyle, um, and right. kind of indoor,
2: know, outdoor, formal, informal—kind of trying to blur yeah. those. Yeah, she said.
4: Yeah, she said my stuff is for Sunday best and everyday both, um, and it's a little more expensive than than some others, but it's going to last you a lifetime. And in fact, I've run into a number of people working on the exhibition. Uh, you know who are using their their parents' uh, heath dinnerware. So um, and you know the the previous um, uh, the first uh, question mentioned Augustine. Um, you know she very much her work very fits very much into that mid-century modern design style of uh, Charles Rames uh, Noel Herman Miller uh, and was exhibited at places like the. Um, the Metropolitan excuse me the Museum of Modern Art in New York. It was Gustin who told Edith um, when they were driving across country once you know you're a, you're a classic you're a modern classic and it, it apparently totally the remark took her by supply, surprise, but he understood um, the qualities of that design that uh, that just fit with the sort of post war zeitgeist. Mm-hmm.
2: Starting to get some other uh, comments in on things that have endured or, or lasted. Ashley tweets, my abuela's cast iron. I managed to clean it up so I could practice making tortillas. I'm still working on perfecting them, but the cast iron looks great. Diego tweets, and, and Drew, maybe I'll toss this one to you. Diego tweets, an enduring legacy of Edith Heath is the idea of putting the same care into your organizational culture as you put into your products, similar to the ethos of the original Hewlett Packard, which came from the same time and place. Tell, tell us a little bit about that uh, and where she got those ideas of sort of organizational culture.
4: Um, yeah, the, the factory, in the Sausalito factory is really unique and I would, uh, and it's really remarkable how little it's changed over the years. Anybody, uh, a great Bay Area uh, outing for, for anybody would be to take the factory tour at, at Heath Ceramics. It's, it's not, uh, it's a very small, human-scaled factory um, that's laid out in a very rational, has a very rational footprint where each of the stages of production uh, flow freely. Each workstation has, uh, she, she, she actually is uh, one of the architects of the building. She's listed on the uh, architectural plans along with the you know, professional architects who designed the building, and you can, you can see the plans in the exhibition. Um, so you know she was deeply deeply involved in having it come out the way she wanted it to like I said each workstation had a window that either looked outside um, sometimes towards the bay uh, or towards the central courtyard and the courtyard was a was a sort of gathering and and break space Um, so um, and you know when you hear the word factory and production mass production you tend to think of you know giant machine sort of stamping out things that are identical. Um, the process uh, that she established and which is still being used involves a, really a surprising amount of handwork. That's one of the things that really struck me. Um, and you can see in the exhibition, we have um, video of uh, people actually making dinnerware with the same processes that she used. Mm-hmm. Um, she loved the fact that though they were, Production pieces, there was a, uh, quite a bit of individual variation. She actually preferred using in her own home uh, actual seconds pieces that were considered, you know, not perfect enough to be sold at, at full price. Uh, and this, the uh, to this day, seconds are marketed by the company. So, um, you know, I think this overall was very, very an innovative way to approach production that retained um, a a standard of excellence in design. Yeah.
2: Let's bring in a caller, Kat, from El Cerrito. Welcome, Kat. Hi, thanks
1: for having me. So my question is about um,
2: the environment. Well, might be losing her. I think her question was going to be about the environmental impact of removing clay, of this sort of clay, I don't know if we call it mining, but extraction. Um, And Nancy Service, maybe I can toss that one to you as someone who's looked so much into the ways that uh, these clays have, have been extracted over time.
3: Well, that's a really good question. And I think that that's something that's being looked at by a lot of ceramic artists, by artists who use clay, because it is mined you know, and uh, there are areas where um, those are designated as, as clay caches. So as I am not a maker, so I personally don't have that um, on my trajectory as um, as something to, you know, look at every single day, but I think it's a really good question. There's all There's a lot of environmental considerations when you're working with clay and certainly, um, when you're in a studio and you're using clay, uh, you don't just pour, you know, clay is softened up by water and, and that's a very important element to what's being made, but you just don't pour your your bucket of, of slip down the drain, you know, you, you need to sift it out and there's a trap that everyone should have before any kind of disposal of clay um, liquid um, goes further into the system. So there is there is a mindfulness, I would agree, that um, is many of my colleagues have always been very, very mindful of the impact of both extracting clay and using clay. And I think as time goes on, um, that will only increase in its responsibility. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, thanks for that, Nancy. Let's bring in Antonio from Watsonville. Welcome. Yeah,
0: hi. I just want to testified to the utility of a heath plate they started out in our dining room and over the generations have made it down to watsonville as saucers for our clay pots in the garden i just <laughs> discovered one that way so we're i'm taking a new appreciation for the strength of heath pottery that's,
2: <laughs> that's so funny and they've worked in all those contexts or how do they how do they work as uh, as plates for the pots
3: Oh well, you know clay clay pots are you know trans that that is they evaporate, and the idea is that you put water in the saucer and then you don't have to water the
0: pot as often. And lo and behold, the clay pots have broken, but the saucers are still there.
2: Hey, thanks uh, so so much for that. I appreciate that uh, that comment, Antonio. Um, we also have a couple other people who have come in with uh, things that have lasted. Again, this was a question that we were asking, that also the uh, I- exhibit itself asks. You know what things have endured in your life? Michael tweets: uh, An old girlfriend from upstate New York gave me a stack of Gladding McBean El Patio plates forty years ago. One is chipped, but the rest survived. Cheryl Ann writes. I have two historical harps that have lasted for generations, my Welsh triple harp built in 1850 that I toured internationally with in the 1990s and 2000s, and my single action pedal harp that was built in the 1790s in Paris and is entirely original, including the soundboard and has an exquisite tone." Wow, that's pretty wild. Um, I want to, uh, Drew, get, get a sense of, from you of how this legacy has been carried on through the decades. I mean, Edith Heath dies in 2005, Ooh. but these plates, as I encountered them coming to the Bay Area in the 2000s, was basically, you know, you'd go to a restaurant, you'd look underneath the plate and it would say, Heath. I mean, they became kind of a, a mainstay of at least uh, certain kinds of restaurants. And could you just tell us, like, how did this uh, this business and this person sort of um, con- continue through the decade?
4: Yeah, well, uh, again, I think when she opened the factory, like I was mentioning, the I think um, she really was the right time and place uh, for her design aesthetic, um, and, which she then, of course, translated into this really innovative production uh, s- style uh, there. There have been periods, as I understand, um, when her, uh, the, the material that Heath put out, the, the dinnerware in particular, was somewhat out of fashion and that the, 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 the factory was not um, as successful as it had once been. There's obviously been a big revival in mid-century modern, uh, appreciation of mid-century modern design. So, uh, you know, she's found definitely, her stuff has found her, her time. And again, but um, I think one of the things that I didn't really mention was their the response to um, maybe you know flagging sales in the dinnerware was to branch out into things like tile production um, and uh, ashtrays. And actually, the Heath ashtray is quite a famous mm-hmm. object and, and quite a story. One day, Edith's husband, Brian, took a, put some notches in one of the Heath cereal bowls and they marketed it as a, an ashtray, which was the most successful product in the history of the company, turned out to be. This is, again, you know, we're talking the 50s and 60s. Um, and uh, was actually endorsed by fire departments across the country because of its ability to uh, snuff out the, the flame on the cigarette uh, when, it, when it reached the little notch. Um, tile production is a big thing. Uh, Edith's husband, Brian, was sort of the factory engineer uh, and developed this uh, process for uh, rolling strips of, uh, of clay that could be made into tile. Um, and uh, she really, really took it far into the point, not just for home use, but for major architectural uh, design uh, projects like the uh, Pasadena Art Museum, now the Norton Simon Museum. If you go to the Norton Simon Museum, uh, you'll see the entire exterior of the building is clad with this wonderful uh, heath tiles uh, that are, she called it a volcanic, smoky volcanic glaze. Again, really evocative of the landscape. Um, It's, it's, you know, it's become a classic, but it was met with real skepticism from architects at the time that you could actually clad the exterior of a building. Uh, The Los Angeles Times building has handrails that uh, that are ceramic. The the as you, the staircases, the handrails on the staircases are actually Keith ceramics. Yeah. So uh, she was constantly looking for ways to innovate and and provide make new products.
2: I want to get in uh, one last call, Linda from Burlingame. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Um, I'm a native San Franciscan, and um, when I was around ten, my Girl Scout troop went to made a field trip to Sausalito. Uh, Mrs. Silver was genius at local field trips and we went to the Heath factory and the bay model and that introduced me to Heatware. and I would then see it all over the place. The other thing I haven't heard mentioned is that dumps carried it and so mm. after that as a kid you know Muni could take us all over town without the need of parents being chauffeurs And we'd go downtown and I could, it was like a display. It was like an exhibition where I could see whatever the latest um, and uh, and most popular patterns were. So that was really, really a joy.
2: Oh, That's so nice. Thanks for that uh, memory, Linda. Really appreciate that. And Drew, in the exhibition, you do, in fact, mention, uh, Gums and have some of the uh, some of the materials from that department store. So, Linda, if you really want to have yes. a throwback in time, you can go check that out.
1: Definitely. You yes, know, it was, it Gums, was Gums up really there was in the China department, and just as visible as any other brand, just featured as special as everything, and gumps was special, a special thing. So, it was just a joy to go see it.
4: Mm-hmm. I wanted to... Uh, yeah, it was actually Gums that was responsible for getting her started in, in production because uh, uh, their supply of ceramics from overseas had dried up during the war. That's
2: right. um, Daniel writes, few more comments coming in from listeners. The company website, beautiful site to observe pieces if a bit heady. The fantastic thing for me about Heath is how her sale of tiles as well as cups, saucers, and plates suggested a way of reconstructing your house in a mindfully aesthetic way and for assembling display-like arrangements of household dining ware. Its aesthetic is almost a collaborative exercise in making beauty, kind of very, very much along the mid-century modern lines. Nancy in Pacifica writes, I'm a huge fan of Heath Ceramics. I've had the same set of dinner plates, Mojave pattern, since the 1980s. They're extremely durable and timeless. I purchased them in Sausalito at the factory, a wonderful place to visit. Um, Nancy Service, real quick, like 20 seconds before we have to go, what do you think Edith Heath's legacy will be remembered as, you know, long into the future?
3: I think it's going to be remembered for a couple different things. One is she was an uh, independent businesswoman with uh, a, an amazing vision for what she wanted to do. And that speaks volumes. The other is she did create special designs with her Um, with her her pottery that Mm -hmm. does not only serve as a dish but it provides a context for the table and that is a very important consideration when you marry the two when you set a table made with amazing pieces Mm -hmm. it takes that whole experience to a different level beautiful
2: We've been talking about Edith Heath, subject of a new exhibition at the Oakland Museum of California with Nancy Service, curator and author of a forthcoming book on the history of clay use in Northern California, and Drew Johnson, curator of photography and visual culture at the Oakland Museum of California. Thank you so much to you both. Thank you, Alexis. It's been fun.
3: Thank you so much.
2: Stay tuned for more after the break.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.